0: Coming up on Stew Does America, Bitcoin investors have been having an event full few weeks. But is it really worth getting excited over? I'll talk to author and entrepreneur James Altisher about that. And Joe Biden has taken a tumble and fractured his little foot. Is it an innocent accident or is it the beginning of Kamala's plan to bump him off and assume power? Probably the first one, but I'm going to say it's the second one. Subscribe and watch this show for free on YouTube. Just search my name, Stu, and I'll be the first one there. Or listen to the podcast. Just head to your iTunes uh, or any provider uh, you get your podcast from. And don't forget to rate and review us. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. And Christmas is right around the corner, so be sure to impress your loved ones with our official Santifa Claus product line yes that's the combination of santa claus and antifa you're gonna love it or if you're more into social change i understand how about our it's not a riot it's a mostly peaceful tree lighting with a city and christmas tree on fire in the background you're gonna love it it's gonna comp- it's gonna really communicate how much you hate the world that they're trying to force on you. Uh, you can find those products and more at stew right now for Christmas. There's been uh, some recent buzz going on regarding Andrew Cuomo and his amazing, perfect job handling coronavirus in New York. You know, despite the pile of rotting corpses hidden under a tarp in his backyard. Let's set the record straight and do Cuomo of the year. Stew does America. Welcome to Stu's America. I'm Stu's slightly fatter twin brother. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving uh, this weekend. I hope you were able to eat enough to break several of the seven deadly sins like I did. I broke even more than just the, 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 the gluttony one. I mean, I went all over. It was really that much disgusting eating going on. I just, I will say, if uh, I know coming up in a couple of minutes, I have a fast blast commercial. I don't usually preview the commercials, but I will say I need to listen to my own commercial today. That is what I'm promising you. I hope you're able to avoid Andrew Cuomo uh, this, this holiday season, peering through your window. He really is doing that all over America. He's really less of a peeping Tom than a peeping Karen. But while everyone here knows that Andrew Cuomo is awful, .com, It seems like everyone who isn't inside our cool little club thinks Andrew Cuomo is wonderful. In fact, he's award-worthy. He's been nominated for an International Emmy for his fictional press conferences. I don't have too much of a problem with that because, honestly, it was essentially a television show. That's what he was doing. And it's a little like getting angry at The Walking Dead because there aren't really zombies walking around killing people yet. Andrew Cuomo is also reportedly a nominee for Times Man of the Year. Does that make me angry? (laughs) Not really. It seems like Andrew would be joining other members of his peer group, like 2007 award winner, Vladimir Putin, or 1939 winner, Joseph Stalin. And you know where I'm going. 1938 winner of Times Man of the Year. Yep, you got it, Uncle Adolf, Adolf Hitler. Interesting fact about Adolf Hitler, he really singled out the Jews just like Andrew Cuomo. Some would say the comparison is a bit unfair, and maybe it is, but can we see Andrew Cuomo's profile picture for a second? Uh, hmm, what's going on there? What's he doing there? Does it look like someone that would single out the Jews? I don't know. He's just waving to all the Jews with his outstretched hand and open palm. That's just Andrew saying, hi, Jews, great to see you. That one, by the way, is for every high school kid that was called a white supremacist for flashing the okay symbol. You're covered. But it wasn't all good news for New York's dictator emphasis on the first syllable. The Supreme Court handed down a ruling, and this gets a little into the weed. So I'm sorry for the technical jargon here, but it's important to understand the context. Uh, the ruling dealt with Cuomo's insistence on banning religious gatherings during the pandemic. And what the court did was to bitch slap Cuomo. Again, sorry for the technical terms. I I know it's kind of going over some people's heads, but I want to give some colloquial summary here. It was officially a court bitch slap. Allow me to give you a chunk of the concurring opinion from Neil Gorsuch, which was the most fun. The governor has chosen to impose no capacity restrictions on certain businesses he considers essential. And it turns out, the businesses the governor considers essential include hardware stores, acupuncturists, and liquor stores. Bicycle repair shops, certain signage companies, accountants, lawyers, and insurance agents are all essential too. So at least according to the governor, it may be unsafe to go to church, but it is always fine to pick up another bottle of wine. Who knew public health would so perfectly align with secular convenience that's a Neil Gorsuch bitch-slap everybody I'm just I'm telling you as a as as an observer of the Supreme Court that's what it was who wants more Neil Gorsuch bitch-slapping I know I do the only explanation for treating religious places differently seems to be a judgment that what happens there just isn't as essential as what happens in secular spaces indeed the governor is remarkably frank about this in his judgment, laundry and liquor, travel and tools are all essential, while traditional religious exercises are not. That is exactly the kind of discrimination the First Amendment forbids. We all know that Andrew Cuomo is awful. Dot com. But did you know that Andrew Cuomo is unconstitutional? Dot com. I did, and you probably did too. But now, it's official. On with the bitch slap. Quote, it is time, past time, to make plain that while the pandemic poses many grave challenges, there is no world in which the Constitution tolerates color-coded executive edicts that reopen liquor stores and bike shops but shutter churches, synagogues, and mosques. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. We have a Constitution... That provides special protections for religious practice. Churches are the ugly stepchild of the First Amendment for some reason in this country, and it has to stop. No one seems to have a problem with peace, uh, people peaceably or not so peaceably assembling during this pandemic, provided you're celebrating Joe Biden or Black Lives Matter. No one seems to have a problem with journalists going to covid infected hospitals to do their stories on the horrors of coronavirus. Yet it's that freedom of the press that is utilized to criticize some peaceful assemblies and exercising of religion. Why is that? I don't see a lot of churches saying journalists shouldn't be free to utilize their freedom of the press. But I do see a lot of journalists saying that churches shouldn't be free to utilize their freedom of religion. Why is that? Huh? Anyway, Andrew Cuomo is the most dig- disingenuous person on earth. Dot com. Go visit it. Listen to this. It's irrelevant from uh, any practical impact uh, because the zone that they were talking about uh, has already been moot. Oh. Uh, it expired last week. Not so I think this was really just an opportunity for the court to express uh, its philosophy, and oh. politics. So I fully respect... Uh, Religion, and if there's a time in life when we need it, uh, the time is now. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but uh, we want to make sure we keep people safe at the same time, um, and and that's the balance we're trying to hit, especially through this holiday season. Mm, got that? It's moot because that church is no longer in the fuchsia zone, or whatever the hell he's done here. This is a typical liberal trick with the courts. You implement something unconstitutional, you keep it in effect until it's clear you're going to lose the court case, and then you withdraw it and say, there's no reason to rule on this case because we've already withdrawn the policy, see? The Supreme Court was having none of Cuomo's nonsense on this. Bitch slap. And the point isn't moot at all. What it does is stop Andrew Cuomo from freaking doing this same thing again. That's the practical effect. Andrew Cuomo got bitch slapped. And as much as Andrew Cuomo wants to target religious people, he can't do it anymore. And that's important because of the legal bitch slapping technical term. Cuomo knows this and is acting as if it wasn't a devastating defeat because he is a liar, period. And he's acting like it is no big deal because he doesn't want to appear like the loser that he is. This is totally clear when you read the ruling, but you don't. I mean, I have to say, I kind of wish they would specifically address Cuomo's claim that the decision was moot. I mean, I wish they did that. Wouldn't, Wouldn't that be great? Luckily, they did. Quote, after the applicants asked for this this court for relief, the governor reclassified the areas in question from orange to yellow. And this change means that the applicants may hold services at 50 percent of their maximum capacity. The dissents would deny relief at this time, but allow the diocese and and, uh, the church. uh, It's actually a a synagogue to renew their requests. If this recent reclassification is reversed, there is no justification for that proposed course of action. It is clear that this matter is not moot. Bitch slapped. Andrew Cuomo got bitch slapped, and the First Amendment still stands for something. That's kind of nice. Celebrate this holiday season at Andrew Cuomo got bitch slapped. <laughs> dot com. All right, Thanksgiving did not go over well for me. I have to say, um, I was shoveling food in my mouth at a rate. Uh, faster than Andrew Cuomo got bitch slapped in that last court ruling. I have to get things under control, and that's when Fast Blast steps into my life. Fast Blast is here for you. Now, of course, it is much more than some crash diet after you've fattened yourself over Thanksgiving. It's a lifestyle change. It's about intermittent fasting. If you don't know anything about that, it's become very popular lately as a healthy and effective weight loss strategy. And it's something where you can kind of get on it and you stay on it for years and years and years at a time. I mean, I think it was uh, Rob Lowe, uh, who you may know is the sexiest man of all time. If you've watched, uh, what was the show uh, he was on? Literally. Um, Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec. Uh, Parks and Rec. He was the sexy guy. This is how he does it. He does intermittent fasting. Um, so that's a great thing. And I will say, when you do it, it works really well. When you eat like I did on Thanksgiving, it doesn't work that well because you're not actually doing it. Uh, but Fast Bus can walk you through every little detail of this, uh, this way of life. They also have these delicious smoothies, which are uniquely formulated for intermittent fasting. So you grab one every few hours for great energy and fewer cravings. Uh, it's got everything you need in one convenient pouch, and it tastes great. They also have the Fasten app, F-A-S-T-E-N. You can download that. Uh, which is a great thing to go along with that. Do your homework. Go and learn more about fasting at FastBlast.com slash Blaze. FastBlast.com slash Blaze. Get started today with fastblast for a healthier and smaller you. That's FastBlast.com slash Blaze. Remember Bitcoin, that whole, that fad from 2017 and 2018? I, I remember it. Uh, I remember all remember the narrative of Bitcoin? It was this thing and no one really knew it was all the like computer geeks who had ever heard about it and then it went up to twenty thousand or something in 2017 and 2018 and then it crashed and everybody lost all their money. I think that's how most people remember the Bitcoin story. I've been sort of you know, I've been following this for a while. If you've watched the show, i you know, talk about it from time to time. Uh, I was kind of fascinating of the past uh, month or so to watch the price run up again. And I've been documenting this on on Twitter, Twitter at Studios America on November 9th. It hit 15000. It had only spent 30 days in its entirety of the whole life of Bitcoin above that price point. Of 15,000. That was November uh, 9th. On November 12th, it hit 16,000. It had only spent 16 days above that point in the entire run. Uh, then it hit 17,000 on November 17th. It only spent five days above that point, the entire run of Bitcoin. It hit 18,000 on November 19th. It had only spent three days above that mark. Um, on November, let's see... Uh Let's see, it was a few days later, November 24th, it hit 19,000. It only spent one day above that mark, the entire bubble and burst uh, that we've heard about. And then 19,783, you can fiddle with what the top was. But today, it it crossed that line, setting, for all intents and purposes, an all-time high for Bitcoin. That meaning that anyone who ever invested in that entire time uh, throughout the entire run-up and peak back in 2017 and 2018, if they had just held, they would be up. Today, or at least even, Uh, it's an amazing story and for some reason is not making any news at all. Uh, I want to bring in James Altucher, entrepreneur and host of the James Altucher Show podcast. He has a new article on Coindesk, uh, better broadband will pave the way to a brand new world. Uh, James, thanks for coming back on the program and I appreciate it.
1: Stu, thanks for having me on the show. Always glad
0: to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you on. And you've been a guy who's been talking about Bitcoin for a very long time. Uh, And I I find it, first of all, just give me a reaction, all time high
1: today. Well, I mean, this is to be expected. Right now, the entire world is uncertain. Right now, nobody knows what's going to happen once this pandemic uh, dies down. The economy is in shambles at the moment. I mean, New York City, there's estimating one third of businesses have closed, LA, San Francisco, New Jersey, all of these major metropolitan areas are in economic shambles, and many countries are facing this as well. So the wealthy and the companies in each of these countries are trying to figure out, where do I put my cash? Where do I put money? And the flight to safety right now is Bitcoin. No matter what happens to the economic system, Bitcoin will still be here, whereas the dollar is very uncertain. The yen is uncertain. The the euro is uncertain. Not 100 percent uncertain. I mean, the dollar is still, you know, the the currency of choice for the entire world. But Bitcoin has that extra layer of digital safety, cryptography. uh, You know, it doesn't require banks. It doesn't require financial fees to transfer money. There's no privacy invasions and, and so on. It's, uh, for people who
0: haven't followed this from the beginning, um, why is, talk about, you know, because I think a lot of people in this audience are interested in the way we spend, right? We spend money as government, as, you know, with fiat currency at incredibly high levels. And with the COVID situation going on, they're going higher and higher and higher and higher. Spending is is the most trendy thing in the world when it comes from the government. Uh, inflation's a risk. Why is Bitcoin a good shield for that?
1: Well, two things. One is Bitcoin. There's only a fixed number of bitcoins. To use the phrase, there's there's going to be in the lifetime of Bitcoin, there will only be 21 million bitcoins. There won't be a, a a single bitcoin more than that. That's in the code. It can't be broken. That's fixed. Whereas the dollar, you know, President-elect Joe Biden could do a stimulus package of three trillion dollars. Where do they get that money? Well, they just print it up hmm. and they hand it out to everybody, and that's an extra three trillion dollars that affects the value of the money in your pocket. You know, the the value of anything is a function of supply and demand. If you increase the supply, but the demand doesn't increase, then the value goes down. And that's what people are worried about is gonna happen to the dollar, it's what's gonna happen to the Euro, it's what's gonna happen to the English pound. Bitcoin, that does not happen because there's only a fixed amount of supply. But demand though is going up, which is why the price is going up. Companies are converting their, their cash reserves into Bitcoin. Uh, billionaires all over the world are putting some percentage of their net worth into Bitcoin. In Argentina, the Argentinian government actually made it illegal to own Bitcoin. Bitcoin spiked them because everybody in Argentina uh, started <laughs> transferring their pesos to Bitcoin. After it was made law that it was illegal.
0: Yeah, people don't like the people telling them what to do. We've learned that, if anything else, over the past few months. Um, So, James, with this run up to an all time high, I remember 2017 and 2018. It was the story, right? That's all anyone was talking about as this was going on, as we hit these all time highs on Bitcoin. Here we are back there again and it's happening. And it feels like no one's really even noticing. Why is that?
1: I think people are afraid that the same thing's going to happen that happened in 2017, early 2018, which is that it really ran up on speculation. I mean, there was a lot of belief that it was manipulated up. I don't know if that's true, but there were certainly a lot of speculators, a lot of gamblers who were hoping to day trade Bitcoin and, and drive the price up. but And then it collapsed, just like the Internet bubble in 1999-2000. But then everybody started using the internet and now nobody says, oh, Google, the price is too high. Facebook is not worth it. <laughs> you know, eBay is not worth it. It's, it's become legitimized. And the same thing's happening now to Bitcoin. There's a company out there, uh, MicroStrategy, they've converted $400 million of their cash savings into Bitcoin. They view that as safer currency than than fiat currency. You know, the dollar bill, like here's a, here's a $20 bill why do we trust this bill? It says, in God we trust, it has the White House on it, it has a former president on it. There's all this symbolism so that we trust it. Bitcoin doesn't need that symbolism. Bitcoin actually has value. It's, it's good for safe transactions, it's lower fees, it's good to, uh, there's a lot of software behind Bitcoin that can be used for legal agreements. So there's a lot of uses for Bitcoin and it doesn't require the safety of the banking system, which the dollar does require. Mm. Um I mean, you've been a bull f-
0: for a long time on this. And, and is your are you more of a guy saying like the price is going to go crazy? Or are you saying this is the future of money as we know it?
1: This is the future of money as we know it. I mean, we've money. Every industry evolves. Money is no different. Money has evolved from bartering to gold coins and silver coins, to to you know gold-backed dollars, to to government-backed dollars, which are essentially worthless. And now we're about, just like every industry, we're going from a humanist approach to a digital approach. In medicine, we no longer just touch trust the doctors; we also need X-rays and AI to read the X-rays and you know genetic tests and so on. The same thing now is happening to money. It's going from "In God We Trust." to George Washington on the dollar bill to in data we trust and that's big this pandemic has accelerated that because people are worried about what's going to happen to the financial system but bitcoin is here to stay now the interesting thing about that is there's 150 trillion dollars of fiat currency in the world but there's only about $300 billion worth of Bitcoin. So and the Winklevoss twins, who are the biggest holder, one of the biggest holders of, of Bitcoin, they were the you know ri- original shareholders in Facebook. They have put a price target of $500,000 on Bitcoin, and they think that might be even conservative. So I'm not that surprised to see it back to 20,000. It was going to happen eventually. And I do expect it to go much higher. And again, this is not a supply issue. It's There's too much. Demand for Bitcoin and the supply is fixed, as opposed to the U.S. dollar, where the supply is unknown. It's going to go up, and demand is fixed. Mm.
0: It is. It is amazing to watch this. I mean, I as a guy who kind of just stumbled into this, really by uh, luck and timing, and uh, as a gambler, really. I mean, I I hadn't really looked at the use case when I first uh, started looking at Bitcoin. It really is a, It isn't. It is amazing to see uh, these sort of foundational. Uh, functions that it provides that that, you know, normal money can't provide. Right. You talk about only having twenty one million. That that's such a selling point to me because we see what governments do when they need to inflate themselves out of a problem. They'll print and print and print and screw every single one of their citizens out of a percentage of the value that they've built up because they've decided that some big government program is is worth it. That can't be done with Bitcoin. And you see that I think people are coming around to thinking that way as they see the chaos in the world.
1: Yeah, and, and not only that, let's talk about gold for a second. People think, oh, I'm nervous about the dollar, so I better go into gold. If the financial system collapses... Where are you going to get your gold? Nobody's actually buying physical gold. They're buying, you know, gold futures, gold derivatives that you still need the banking system to work. Bitcoin is like the internet of money. It's completely outside the, the banking system. It's technically, it's it's impossible to regulate. I mean, they, they're they going to try to regulate it, but it's going to be harder and harder to regulate it. So, and not only that, now nobody's accepting cash anymore because of the virus. So people are worried about privacy mm. issues and Bitcoin is intended to be extremely private. This privacy is a big issue with Bitcoin, but you know the the dollar is not private, particularly when you're using credit cards. Uh, can we go back for
0: a second to touch on the Winklevoss twins? Uh, it is. An, it's kind of an amazing story. Ben Mesrick wrote a book called Bitcoin Billionaires that talks about their story, and he he made a point that I think is really interesting, and that these guys have been at a, very close to the the founding of two different revolutions. Within a few years, I mean, the, the Facebook at the, the beginning of that, they were I mean, not super, super early on Bitcoin, but certainly earlier than a lot of people and become I mean, now that the numbers are back here. They're billionaires once again. It's pretty amazing. And, and they got this sort of like mocking treatment in the Facebook movie. I think the second book by Masrake really does a better job portraying them as, as pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, I agree. And it is very impressive how they took a chance on this. I mean, they they've been in this for almost 10 years and not that many people were were getting into Bitcoin when they did. But they realized, again, everything, every industry on the planet, if you think about it, evolves into from from. Let's call it from theism, you know, God will save us, to humanism, okay, let's call the doctors, let's let's send troops over to, to whatever, to data will save us. You know, data now is used in cyber warfare, it's used in medicine, it's used in transportation, it's, it's used for everything. And now it's being, money will evolve the same way. It's going from in God we trust, to in George Washington we trust, to in data we trust. And I'm not saying put all of your money in Bitcoin. That would be insane. Like, it's not an investment. You have to be careful about it. It's a currency. But if you believe there's a 1% or 2% chance that Bitcoin will be the primary currency of the world, and I, I believe there's probably more than that, then put 1% or 2% of your net worth in, in Bitcoin. It's Again, it's not, don't, don't trade it. Don't get worried. Don't look at it every day. Don't get worried if it goes down or up. Mm. Nobody worries if the dollar goes down or up. Just enjoy the ride because... Again, $150 trillion in fiat currency, $300 billion in Bitcoin, that'll start to converge. Mm. Um,
0: you've. Uh, I want to get into the kind of the future uh, of technology in general here in a second. But one more thing on Bitcoin before we go. You've uh, made some big predictions on where you think or you think it may go uh, as far as the price. Uh, you've had some criticism on this, especially when you know, we had these big uh, dips in the price. Uh, What are you thinking today? Do you have any perspective on where it might go? And does it feel at all like you're getting a little bit of, uh, I don't know, some of your critics are getting some comeuppance today?
1: You know, nobody ever, nobody ever in the history of the planet calls you up and says, you know what Stu? You were right. <laughs> no. It that would never happen. No. <laughs> so so I don't expect that to happen in in this case either. But I do I do feel like now people are realizing, "Oh, this is here to stay." I mean, there's 300 over 300 billion dollars in Bitcoin now and it's it's growing. It's growing every day, and like you you mentioned, it was only briefly at like these points above fifteen thousand. Now it seems to be a steady rise, and we hear from all these you know billionaires and companies that are are you know treating their they want to bring their money into safety, so they're buying Bitcoin. This is this is going to keep on going. And again, what's the difference between if if Bitcoin truly replaces some percentage of the world's currency? It's got you know, a thousand, a thousand X to go before it actually replaces fiat currency. It's got 500 X to go. So that's 500 X times the current price around 20,000. Now, well, does that mean it'll go up 20,000 from here? No, but it's going to go up quite a bit and it's going to go up pretty quickly as more and more companies start to steamroll into it. And remember, you can't find more of it There's only 21 million Bitcoins. So you have to wait in line till the price goes up if you want to buy it as opposed to the dollar. So bitcoin's going to go up every single time another big organization wants to buy it. And there's millions of organizations that want to buy it now. Mm. Uh,
0: James Altucher, he's the host of the James Altucher Show podcast. We have a little bit more coming up on technology and where we're going next in this kind of crazy post-COVID world. Back in a second. We're back with more from James Altucher, a host of the James Altucher Show podcast. Uh, James, last time we had you on, we were talking about New York City. And I will say you weren't exactly bullish on the future of New York. Uh, Post-COVID, lots of things are changing. Uh, People moving out of the city. um, And a big part of your analysis there revolved around the future of technology and how it would be easier to not live in a place like New York with all the costs and, and and the potential downsides of it. Can you kind of give, us, give the audience a quick review of, of, of what you're thinking is there and how it ties into the future?
1: Sure. I mean, right now, New York City is closed. It's closed for business. You have potentially 90% of the restaurants are gonna actually go bankrupt. About a third of New York's small businesses are never going to reopen. All the office buildings are at about 5% full, maybe less. And now they're looking at more lockdowns. Meanwhile, the city itself is tens of billions of dollars in the hole. Like they need they, they desperately need a bailout or they're going to have to fire many of the city workers, including trash collectors, teachers, police, EMT workers, MTA workers and so on. So I'm not sure what the benefits are now of living in, in New York, and I'm not sure how they get out of these severe problems that they're going to be facing. I wrote this article because I love New York. I wrote an article about these problems and people were critical, but they shot the messenger. I love New York, I wanted to do well, but it's not going to, and everybody's in denial about, it's not just New York City too, it's LA, it's San Francisco. The first tier cities are gonna send people and capital to the second tier cities, cities like Denver, Miami, uh, Nashville, Austin will will benefit. But New York City, L.A. and San Francisco are going to have severe, severe problems, particularly New York City. I can't
0: tell you how many people I've heard that have moved to Nashville and and Austin and and cities like that uh, because of this from L.A., from from New York. Um, So, if, if, is, before we move on to the kind of the future of technology generally, um, is there any hope, though, for New York, considering that maybe that these vaccines are showing so much promise that maybe, you know, if we're talking 90, 95 percent effective, maybe this thing does turn around by you know mid next year and, and, and we can just kind of reboot.
1: That that could be. But. The damage has been done. That's mm. what people don't realize. Everyone says, oh, well, the vaccine will come and everything will just bounce back to normal. No. One in four New Yorkers have not paid rent, Stu since March. Mm. Are they gonna suddenly come up with 10 months of rent on January 1st? No, there's the eviction courts are overflowing right now. People are going bankrupt. Stores, restaurants, businesses, they're they're going there's massive bankruptcies happening in New York City. Something like a half a million people have left. New York City since the beginning of the pandemic. So then you have to ask in 2021, by mid 2021, where will the, there's not gonna be any taxes. There's no sales taxes because of the lack of tourism. There's not gonna be as as much in income taxes. Property taxes are gonna go down. So New York City needs money to provide services. The services that make, that have made New York City the greatest city, it's not gonna have the money and it's already in massive debt. People say, "Oh, well, it'll be like the 1970s. Rents will be low and it'll be this artistic utopia." I was in New York City in the <laughs> 70s. It wasn't a utopia. <laughs> it was it was disgusting in mm. the 1970s. And it was crime-ridden and it was dirty and things are and and the economy never closed down in the 70s. Things are actually going to be worse now and that's what people are starting to realize but haven't fully realized yet. Hmm. Okay, so let's go. Let's talk about like you wrote this great
0: uh, story. It's an interesting way of looking at the world. Better broadband will pave the way for a brand new world. Uh, It's a recent story you wrote for CoinDesk. And I I think it's it's interesting to look at this in this way because you're you're looking beyond, you know, people are going to have more Zoom meetings. I mean, this is like a totally different way kind of of living life. Can you walk people through the general outline?
1: Yeah, and think about everybody says, oh well, we you know, in two thousand eight we didn't all work from home. In two thousand one, after nine-eleven, we didn't walk from home work from home. People don't realize bandwidth now is over ten to twenty times faster than it was in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. You and I could be having this conversation and it's HD quality video. You can see if I've shaved or not today. <laughs> and so so what's happening is they've done all sorts of research. In most, com- in most companies, in most industries, employees are actually more productive now. Some people say, "Well, employees like to go to work." I don't think so. I mean, most people don't really like being at a cubicle and going to the bathroom right next to their boss, and and so on. Now, maybe sometimes they do, but in general, and and again, research has shown this: more than fifty percent of employees like working remotely. So this is going to. Con- this is not a. a fad, this is a trend that has been massively accelerated by the pandemic. All of these trends, by the way, have been accelerated by the pandemic. Everything that was going to happen 10 years from now is going to happen 10 months from now. If you were going to have Bitcoin as the currency 10 years from now, it's happening now. If you were going to work remote 10 years from now, it's happening now. If you were going to get divorced 10 years from now, it's happening now because you've been hanging out with your spouse for the past eight months uh, nonstop. So, Things are just moving faster now, and remote is a trend that has been happening anyway, but now it's accelerated. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's true. I, and I hope uh, my relationship will last at least
0: a few more months. Um, but it, I hope so. <laughs> it's interesting, though. Like uh, you point out, like a, a vision of the future here. And we'll give, to give one example, where you know you might go to um, uh, to a restaurant, and you might see a paleo mem- uh, uh, menu. Because of an augmented reality and uh, your I I wasn't sure if it was your your wife would see uh, a vegetarian menu and because you guys would almost be living the same life, but experiencing it totally differently. That's that's something we're not used to.
1: How do people react to that? And is it even possible? Well, let, let's look at it in a different way. What is a restaurant? When pe- when you picture a restaurant, you picture a space with tables and waiters and waitresses and maitre d's and bartenders and cooks and and so on. But really, a restaurant is just a menu. During this entire pandemic and economic lockdown, we ordered off of menus and food was delivered to us. So people could now just rent space in commercial kitchens and and co- and they, uh, you could stew you could rent the space in a commercial kitchen and you could start 10 restaurants and make 10 different menus mm. here's your here's stews sushi ritos here's <laughs> stews couscous ice cream cones or whatever. (laughs) And you can upload 10 different menus to Uber Eats and Grubhub. And now you really have 10 restaurants. A restaurant is just a menu and someone cooking the food in a commercially licensed kitchen. It's not the space anymore. And that's what's gonna start to happen. These things are called cloud kitchens and delivery is basically gonna replace in-house restaurant eating, which by the way, is maybe people don't like that. Maybe people do like that. But the reality is, again, in, ma- in many major cities, 50 to 90 percent of the restaurants might go bankrupt. That's already happening in New York City. You know, there's not going to be indoor dining during the cold weather. How many restaurants can survive that? Uh, very I, Look, I own a, a, a bar in New York City. It's going to be very tough to survive yeah no, it is. And I, part of that, especially a bar, is
0: like is being out and meeting new people, interacting with people in person. Can you replicate that? I mean, I, I've had conversations with friends who are in the media for a long time, and, and, and many of them say the one This is hilarious. Coming after saying this in 2020, because it seemed so smart every other year. But like the one thing you can't replicate, no matter what the technology is, is a live experience. Live shows are the thing that are totally cushioned from any economic problems. We've learned that's not uh, that's not true today. But can you can you substitute a real life experience uh, through through technology?
1: No, I mean, you look you you look at the stand-up comedy world. They tried doing zoom comedy. Mm. It just really wasn't fun. It wasn't good mm-hmm. and but a lot of places now, you know, comedy is closed because it's very uh, intimate kind of experience. The comedians on stage essentially uh, spitting on the audience <laughs> all, the whole time. <laughs> so uh, that's one of many types of experiences that are not open right now now, but that's another reason why there's a flight out of these major metropolitan areas. The more dense and crowded an area is, the more likely it is that they won't be able to implement social distancing. So people are moving to these more sparse second and third tier cities like a, a Nashville or a Charlotte or a St. Louis or wherever. And it's going to be this it's, it's going to be a great migration that's happening right now, a new sorting of where people live. Um, all right. Last one here for you. We've got, we got about a minute. And, and this is an impossible question to
0: answer in a minute. But let me at least ask it. Are, are you worried at all about this? Is there any part of this that is bad for the human experience? I think you're pretty much an optimist on this stuff if I'm if I'm reading you right. But I mean, is there part of this that like, we really lose something?
1: Yeah, I am worried. I um <laughs> there's someone underneath uh, the camera yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah sorry he's do- doing your
0: hand gestures for you
1: <laughs> uh, I am worried i it's not it's never a good thing when 90 percent of the restaurants in a city go go bankrupt that's half a million employees are going to go unemployed you know when you have people who are frontline workers like em you know healthcare workers teachers garbage collectors police in New York City and New York City the, the mayor is going to simply have to fire them because he's not going to have the money to, to pay them this is a really sad thing and that's the reason why I try to bring to light these problems, these issues that New York City and other cities are facing. But I think people are, I think people think the vaccine is gonna be this magical solution to the economy, but it's not, the, the economy is damaged now. And a year from now, when the vaccine is circulating more widely, the, that's way beyond the point where the economy is gonna need help. All right, James. So so I am worried about that.
0: Yeah. uh, You can talk about, you know, cryptocurrencies and uh, in virtual and augmented reality. We've got a Zoom call with a body making hand gestures below it. That's the sort of technology we bring to the table here on this program.
1: Right. That's augmented reality. (laughs) This person is augmenting my reality right now. (laughs) He is. James Altucher,
0: the uh, show is the James Altucher Show podcast. Uh, Always, always enlightening to talk to, you, James. I really appreciate you coming on and, and doing this.
1: Thanks, Stu. I, I appreciate it a lot. All right, back in a second. See you soon.
0: So, Joe Biden has a boo-boo. Uh, he was playing with his little doggy and he fractured his foot. So, he's going to go into a boot, uh, which is very, very sad. We, of course, wish him well and a speedy recovery. I will say it's a little odd the way we handle these things. When Hillary Clinton was running for president, she was like keeling over, <laughs> seemingly at every other speech. Uh, and it was completely crazy to ask any questions about her health. You were a conspiracy theorist if you wondered why this woman who seemed to be fine most of the time would just, a couple of times, just kind of keeled over. And it was very, I mean, it was scary. Um, then Joe Biden, you're not allowed to ask about that because when he was having his issues trying to remember things and, and blurt out words in the correct order, uh, that was, again, conspiracy theory land. Um, again, with the foot thing, I mean, I don't have any reason to doubt his little story about the foot thing, other than the fact that I'm sure it was Kamala Harris who did it. You know, other than that, I have no real reason to question that it that it happened playing with his dog. But all I do remember is that when Donald Trump, uh, when he had coronavirus and he went to the hospital and he went to Walter Reed and he got treated and then he came back out. The entire press was like, are we sure he's not dying? What if he's dead tomorrow? He's not telling us the truth. This guy is going to die in the middle of his next speech and uh, no one's going to tell us about it. And then he got better. It it seemed like, you know, I mean, it it seems like the Republican candidates, you're allowed to ask questions about the Democrats ones that you're not. Although, again, I mean, he's playing with his dog. Obviously, I uh, believe that that's uh, surely true. His dog, uh, Kamala. No, that's a, that's, a, that's a conspiracy theory. Sorry. Um, also want to tell you, um, we have about a minute left here before uh, the next break. I want to uh, refer you back to last Tuesday's show. You probably don't care about this show enough. You're not dedicated enough. I'm here every day. Where are you? How come, you're just skipping shows because it's, it's Thanksgiving week? I had to do the shows. Where, where were you? I mean, I, I, did, I only did three shows last week. But the Tuesday show in particular, a very COVID Thanksgiving. want to refer you back to that one because it affects what, what's going to happen this week. Uh, last week, with the way the data comes in on coronavirus, we see a big uh, downturn in the amount. You may have noticed it. if you look at all the charts now, you're seeing a downturn in deaths and cases in uh, even in hospitalizations in some quarters. Um, and some people are like, oh, this is great news. It's the data, the way the data is being reported it, because of the holidays. They don't report data as efficiently. Uh, you don't get as many reports from different states. Texas just, like took the week off. Uh, however, the other side of that is this week. Those deaths from last week are going to pile on and the numbers are going to be huge. The media is going to blame Thanksgiving gatherings for this. You need to be prepared for it. You can go back and watch the details on that. But I do think we're probably going to hit record levels this week and they are going to they're going to blame your turkey. They're going to blame turkey time for it. It's something you need to be aware about so you you can point it out when people bring it up and try to push that agenda uh, back in a second. Talked a lot about inflation today and how that affects your financial future. And you know, there's a bunch of stuff you can try to do. I mean, gold is a great way to, to do this. However, with gold, you're buying gold and like, what are you going to do? Bring a coin into 7-Eleven when you want to buy something? Glint has made gold a real alternative uh, currency. It comes out, you get a card just like this. Um, Glint, you buy gold. They store it for you in Switzerland uh, and in a you know Brinks vault and all, all the trappings. Um, and they make sure it's protected for you. You can buy, sell, and save, and even spend real gold using the Glint Mastercard and Glint app. It's kind of cool. First of all, you get to brag to your friends that I'm paying. Let me pay with that uh, for that Slurpee with gold. Mm-hmm. But it's also cool because you can access the money. You know, we've seen when gold prices are going up, it's really cool because you can buy something and you still have more money than you may have had the day before. If you want to invest in gold, but you want to have access to that money, Glint Pay is a great way to do it. Glintpay.com/stu. G-L-I-N-T-P-A-Y dot com slash stew. The slash do part of the address is important because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Glintpay.com/slash stew. Put yourself on your own personal gold standard. Love getting your reviews on the podcast. You can go to iTunes. Uh, five stars is the appropriate of uh, number of stars. That's the only qualification for getting, putting in a review. Uh, Stu is as good as Jeffy. Most days, 20 stars. Second best podcast ever. I'll take it. Five freaking stars. Awesome podcast. As always, Stu finds a way to give us some news while keeping it all really entertaining. Love the podcast. Five freaking stars. Thank you. Great show. Should be in the top 10. I agree with your statistical analysis. Five freaking stars. And Stu is one of my favorites. A seriously underrated conservative voice. Again. I agree with your statistical analysis, five freaking stars. Thank you so much for the reviews. Uh, please do that at iTunes. You can also go to Stu Merch, get your Christmas stuff, uh, Santifaclaus.com or studosmerch.com. Make sure you get it all for Christmas and celebrate the Antifa way with your Santifa Claws merch. We'll see you tomorrow.